0: I'm Bonnie Glaser, director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power podcast, we're discussing Europe's evolving approach to including Chinese telecommunication companies and equipment in 5G infrastructure. European countries have been debating the security concerns behind using Chinese companies and their equipment like Huawei and ZTE to build out their respective 5G networks. There's growing evidence that the close ties that these companies have to the Chinese government pose cybersecurity risks, and relying too heavily on one company to supply telecommunications infrastructure also creates vulnerabilities. At the same time, economic and political concerns have provided a counterweight to these security fears. How is the debate over 5G evolving in Europe, and what is the impact on Europe's ties with China? To discuss Europe's approach to Chinese tech and 5G, I'm joined by Dr. Yanka Ertel. Dr. Ertel is a senior fellow in the Asia program at the German Marshall Fund of the United States Berlin Office. She works on transatlantic China policy, Chinese foreign policy, and security in Asia. Yanka, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Bonnie, for having me.
0: So the United States, Japan, Australia have essentially banned the use of Huawei technology in their 5G networks, citing national security risks. But European countries seem reluctant to take these kinds of steps. Can you explain why? How do European governments assess the potential risks of using Chinese technology and equipment in their 5G networks?
1: So in general, I would say there's a different overall security and threat perception that you see in Europe and that is maybe sometimes hard to understand from a US perspective, but I think is quite relevant for the debate. The U.S. clearly sees China as a security threat and a threat to its interests in the region, but also more broadly. And for Japan and Australia, as as closer neighbors in the region, this also holds true. For Europe, the idea of China being a direct security threat is still somewhat abstract. Um, There are more clear um, security risks such as Russia or potentially the situation in the Middle East that have com- immediately come to mind. So the idea that to perceive China as a security actor, not an economic actor, is something that is relatively new to the debate. And actually, with the 5G conversation, has been pushed on the European debate here much more forcefully than it ever has been before. So in general, European governments have just begun to assess the risk that China can pose in a cybersecurity realm to a larger extent now. And therefore, it seems a bit of a rushed conversation, and everyone seems to be very eager to get out with the right assessment, but therefore it's still a bit messy.
0: What's the main attraction of Chinese technology to European countries? Is it the fact that it tends to be cheaper than alternatives? Is it because they want to have better commercial ties with China? What are the real appeals of working with China and buying Chinese technology?
1: With certainly both of those elements, but it has also been part of a broad range strategy that Huawei has um, played very successfully, especially on the German market, where it has invested relatively early on in close ties with the operators, in good relations also with the regulators, where it has really put an emphasis, an economic and a business emphasis, on the market and the largest telecommunications market in Europe, which is Germany. And this has worked out quite well. There is a good service relationship between the operators and Huawei. And- Everyone's very happy with the equipment that they got. You have to imagine that Huawei is about two-thirds of Deutsche Telekom's network. So that is a very, very strong relationship that we see. And that holds true for a lot of other European countries, too, where ZTE and Huawei just play a very significant role in the existing networks already, which is something that is completely different from the U.S. setting that we see at this time. So the economic impact of any decision that's taken now is just much, much higher the political relationship that comes with this the low cost is one thing. The lower costs, I would have to say, because obviously the products it's really hard to assess what is really cheap and what is really cheaper, because these are all private contracts. It's really hard to make a general assessment to say, well, we know exactly that Huawei is X amount cheaper than Ericsson or Nokia, for example. This is very dependent on the market situation. It's very dependent on the offer that an operator gets. In Denmark, for example, there is now has been a commercial decision to choose Ericsson over Huawei because Ericsson just made the better offer. So I think that's quite a debatable question, whether it's really cheaper. And there's also a question of whether it would really be cheaper in the long run. But obviously, in Germany, the economic component has played a large role. Do you think
0: there's also concerns that if countries don't go with Huawei, that they're going to fall behind in launching their 5G networks? And if those concerns exist, do you think that they're valid?
1: There is huge concerns. I mean, the one topic that has probably influenced the German debate most in the very beginning was that there were numbers floated in the beginning to say it will take us at least two years longer and it will cost billions of euros to replace, rip and replace Huawei technology and to go with other providers. That was like the, the key theme in the beginning of the debate. And this has been very much influenced by a number of players who had certain interest and lobby interest in this conversation. What we can safely say is that the U.S. is already rolling out 5G, and it is not using Huawei or ZTE technology for that. We see rollouts also in Australia. We see rollouts in Japan. We see rollouts in, in Korea, where none of the Chinese players play a significant role. So it is relatively it's relatively hard to make the argument that other players would be incapable of rolling out 5G relatively quickly in Europe as well. Both Nokia and Ericsson have stated that they find themselves quite capable of doing exactly Exactly that. And there are also studies out now that say there's only a fraction of the costs more will be expected at that point then. So I think that has been one of the strongest arguments because that's obviously something that you can talk about. You can say, well, it's prohibitive. The costs are just going to be too high. But it's not necessarily the case. And so it has distorted the conversation from very early on in a subject that is relatively technical in its matter and therefore hard to understand. And if you have to discuss this broadly in a political uh, range, then it's very easy to make the economic argument and say, it will just be too expensive, we can't afford it. But that's just not the right argument to make in this case because it's just simply not true. So this past
0: July, the UK Parliament concluded that there were no technical grounds for excluding Huawei from uh, the UK's 5G networks, but they said there may well be geopolitical or ethical considerations that the government needs to take into account. What exactly would those considerations be, and are they being taken seriously by the UK?
1: So the UK is, of course, a very special case. But what we have, in broadly speaking, in Europe is two strands of the debate. We have a technical argument strand and we have a non-technical argument strand. On the technical front, there is a broad agreement that there are significant challenges that are going to be posed to the cybersecurity of the networks when going with Chinese vendors, especially because, especially the UK services, GCHQ, have in their reporting come out with very disturbing information on very messy coding, making it very hard to control and making it very hard to see whether there is any tampering going on, especially in the very software-based environment that we find In the 5G networks. So, in the UK, the non technical part has been not discussed so much in the beginning, but at the moment it is also being discussed. In broader Europe, the non technical aspects have also been taken up in the EU joint risk assessment. And these are the elements where one could say, what is the influence that the vendor will be under? This is something that is just now being very much considered in most of the member states. In the UK at the moment, whereas today we have seen the news that the decision on whether or not to include Chinese vendors has been postponed again the whole debate is very much driven by domestic political considerations, by the Brexit conversations, whereas the services have been relatively clear in their assessment to say, we will do the necessary security checks if needed, but we are really not capable of doing that. And so the debate is very much going between, do we need to secure the core? Can Huawei technology be used in the edge, which is something that is very much disputed in the technical community, whether that's actually possible at all. So there's a very, very messy debate in the UK going on, which is, motivated mostly by what will be post-Brexit UK situation. Will it need a trade deal with the US? Will it need a quick trade deal with China? Where will one need to position oneself when outside of the EU? And that is the overlaying theme here that has much less to do with 5G and much more to do with the domestic debate.
0: I want to talk a little bit about Germany's policy towards 5G. And, you know, you wrote in your recent article in Foreign Policy that Germany's 5G security requirements do not set clear limits on Huawei and ZTE supplying technology for 5G networks. And this is obviously a huge point of contention with the United States. And yet it seems, you know, the debate in Germany is still ongoing. And I read just a few days ago, in late October, that the head of Germany's Federal Intelligence Service said that Huawei can't be fully trusted. So what exactly is going on in Germany?
1: The German case is fascinating fascinating at the moment in many aspects. When I used to talk to especially American colleagues, they would say, so Germany has decided. I've heard that. I've talked to the German government. And my first question would always be, who did you talk to? Because that is very relevant in this conversation. There's a huge split within the German government on what to do about this. So what we've seen is an initial approach coming out with initial guidelines before the spectrum auctions had taken place. The spectrum auctions have been finalized in the summer, and uh, 6 billion euros were paid by the operators that are now sitting with our finance minister, who's very happy about that. And we cannot roll out because there no decision has been taken on the question of Chinese vendors within the systems. So there is a certain time pressure now. The EU had a parallel process going on where there was a joint risk assessment on cybersecurity and the 5G network. That came out a few weeks ago. When that report came out, it was relatively clear in its assessment of saying there are significant non-technical risks, especially with high-risk providers, that need to be taken into account. Just a day later, the Germans came out with the Federal Network Agency with their report on saying, basically, we have set a security catalog with criteria that were very, very, very weak, including, for example, a certification as trustworthy for all the vendors. So basically, Huawei can say, we are trustworthy, and therefore, we are trustworthy. And very interesting grace periods, saying everything that's built into the system by 2021 can be uncertified within the system until 2026 all kinds of measures that were very irritating because they were so substandard to what the EU approach was earlier. Then the German parliament got into the debate and parliamentarians, especially from the governing coalition, basically said, well, this isn't the the right way to go. And there will be a legislative implementation process, changes to the telecommunications law necessary eventually. And in this implementation process, we want a say and we want clearer criteria for what trustworthy suppliers actually are. So going more into like the Australian approach. And this debate is still in full swing. We have comments coming out of the Interior Ministry and of the Foreign Office that basically say, we also want a stronger approach. The chancery still remains very, very hesitant. The parliament is discussing in various committees at the moment. So democracy is alive and kicking in Germany on this issue. And I guess that's very important to say, because this is the first time that a China-related issue has received that amount of attention. And I think it's actually quite good if these decisions are not taken in the back rooms of lower level agencies. It's not a technical question. The future of our relationship with China and the United States, for that matter, should be a part of a broad societal discussion, part of a broad societal conversation. And therefore, it is good that it is broadly debated within parliament now and in its democratic process.
0: In early October, the European Commission published a risk assessment report on 5G network security in the European Union. The report didn't mention China or Huawei by name, but it warned that, and I'll quote, hostile third countries may exercise pressure of 5G suppliers in order to facilitate cyber attacks serving their national interests. So do you think European countries fully appreciate this risk and the other
1: risks that were flagged in this report? the risk assessment that I have alluded to previously. The risk assessment, one has to understand, is not some abstract uh, assessment that the EU in Brussels has cooked up. This risk assessment is based on reports that the member states have filed with the commission over the summer or until the summer and over the summer they were synthesized. So this is not a Brussels policy approach, but this is something that is just the summary of the risk assessment that came from the member states. So I think it's quite fair to say that there is a relative agreement among the member states, there are significant security risks with the new technology coming and that warrants some close coordination and it warrants some different approaches than from what had been taken so far. I think it's quite relevant that the element of the kind of governance or the kind of legal systems within which vendors find themselves was taken up, because that is relevant to discussion, but it is not something that is necessarily consensus among the member states. But it was something that was brought up by enough member states to be included in the document. The process is now ongoing. After this risk assessment, which is a 33-page document that I highly recommend everyone to read who's interested in this, the commission has now been tasked to come up with a toolbox to mitigate those risks. So what to do about this? I think it's very important, though, to underline that the EU has no competency in this regard. So these are non-binding measures. These are basically suggestions to the member states. They help the set of framework upon which they, especially also the smaller member states, can kind of orient themselves within this spectrum, but they don't force the member states to do anything. But it does help to have a broader agreement among the 27 or 28 member states of the European Union on these questions, because it also shields a little bit against Beijing's potential anger if one could kind of fall back on a European position.
0: What is the connection between the decisions on 5G and considerations that individual countries are making about the potential impact of these decisions on their relationship with China? So, you know, the economic, the political aspects. Do countries fear that Beijing might take punitive actions against them if they ban 5G technology from Huawei and ZTE?
1: Yes. That's a clear consideration. And I think it makes sense because um, we have seen in the past that Beijing is willing to use economic pressure to achieve political aims and uh, express unhappiness with political decisions through economic pressure as well. For countries, especially such as Germany, we are so intertwined with China economically, the impact could be huge. And for other states in Europe who are also have close relations and want to expand their trade relationship with China, this is obviously part of the considerations that have to be taken into account. You know, the worst thing that can happen is one state sticks out their head first and that gets chopped off as a sign that needs to be that needs to be demonstrated. And so I think no one really wants to make a move at the moment and wants to say exactly where they stand. What we've seen so far in Denmark is a commercial decision uh, against Huawei. What we've seen in Sweden is a legislative approach so far that allows for the security services to take the decision. We've seen a sort of similar approach in France, where there is a lot of potential for the president to make the final call based on national security grounds. We've seen Estonia and Romania and Poland sign agreements with the United States, basically also saying where they stand. So there's parts of Europe that have already sort of made a call, but no one has stood up and said, we ban Huawei technology because it's dangerous for us, because that would be that detrimental in the view of the of the governments around Europe to their economic relationship and partnership with China, which is still an element of the relationship that is much more important for European states than it is or than it seems currently for the United States.
0: What are European nations doing to coordinate their five G policies if anything. Are there mechanisms that are being used to discuss this? And is there any possibility that all the member states of the EU eventually adopt a uniform policy on the issue of 5G security?
1: So I wouldn't put my hopes too high for a joint European approach on 5G. There is a clear tasking in the council conclusions that have been decided upon earlier this year in in April that the aim should be to find a joint approach on 5G. But the problem with this is that um, all of these matters really fall into the national security area and national security is not something that is regulated by Brussels. That's still squarely within the competency of the member states. So this requires coordination between the services. It requires coordination between the governments, between the member states themselves, between the member state governments and that is something that is current be taking place more in a multitude of bilateral relationships and exchanges. So there's a lot of conversation going on between different member states on the topics, but none of this is coordinated in a central place. The EU is providing this platform, it's providing this space, and with the risk assessment and the toolbox, providing a framework for these conversations to take place. But the actual decision-making has to take place on a member state level, and um, that will continue to be slightly messy process for the coming weeks and months. The question is, what is the sense of urgency that we have here? So we have um, most of the member states have either started or already auctioned their, their spectrum bands. The 5G rollout is supposed to happen mostly in 2020. So we see that over the next couple of months, decision will have to be taken because as of now, if spectrum is auctioned, but implementation cannot take place, then the operators are not making money selling contracts and the vendors are not making any money building systems. So this is just stalling. And it's not helping the European economy. So at at a certain stage, this will need to happen. But the question is when, and we will just see another couple of months of negotiating. That's at least what I what I expect. So
0: finally, if you rack and stack the issues in Europe's relations with China, and there are, I'm I'm sure many of them, just as the United States has, a multitude of issues in our relationship with China. important is this issue of 5G infrastructure and how is it really likely to affect Europe's relations with China going forward depending of course on the des- decisions that individual countries make?
1: So in my view, this is the first of a number of issues that will come to the table in the next few years. So this one is especially important. It is the first time that Europe feels like it is sitting between the United States and China and European countries feel forced to make a decision. Whereas in reality, it just requires them to understand exactly where they stand and what's important to them and what they want to base their decisions on. And so I think this 5G question basically serves as a prism through which you can look at all of the questions that are currently on the table in this broader triangle of US-Europe-China relations, where a number of questions are in that zone that are really of great economic importance and therefore of great importance for European member states who always thought they could kind of stay out of that geopolitical game. But now that the geopolitical game has become very much about trade and economics, they're squarely within it. And the decisions that are going to be taken now will have an impact on the future of the relationship between both China and the United States. And it will be um, very decisive to see on which side people come out and on which side member states come out on these questions. I think what's more important, though, is the process that we're now seeing. The kind of debate that we're seeing is one that should be encouraging to people that are not taking Europe as a political player seriously. These are not decisions that are being taken lightly. Um, They're currently discussed very, very widely and broadly, and it's a good sign that we're seeing an issue of a technical nature like that, being able to ignite a debate about the future of our economic system, the future of our trade policy, the future of our innovation atmosphere and our innovation ecosystem, igniting a debate about European industrial policy, about what kind of competencies does Europe need to have in a changing world. So I would say, whereas the overall importance probably shouldn't be overrated, it is kind of kicking off a conversation that will lead us into the next century or into the next decade of the relationship of Europe as an actor in the US Europe China triangle.
0: Well, we've been talking with Yanka Ertel, who is a senior fellow in the Asia program at the Berlin office of the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Thank you so much for joining us today, Janka.
1: Thank you, Vani.